I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Guys, we're like days away from ManCon. Woo! Woo! I, I don't know if I can handle it. The excitement. I can't wait to once again purify Paul in the sacred waters of Table Rock Lake. Hasn't stuck yet. Well, you know, we just we just really have to ensure that we're holding your head under the water until the bubbles stop. <laughs> to That's be fair, I cannot hold my breath that long, so, means, so it's means. not. A, it won't take a long time. <laughs> I got to remember to knot those nylon ropes again, don't I? Yes, yeah, right. Well, and duct tape, and we ha- we need the cedar block, the uh, cinder block, you know, to uh, you know make sure and weight him down. Yeah, I'm like Scarface. It takes a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I was going right. to say, we'll, we'll bring two this time. Paul's got really strong legs from all that running. <laughs> you, you know what they say, four times the charm. Well, I like when you throw Paul in the water, it effervesces. Yeah. Well, it, th- th- this is actually an appropriate conversation because this week was a bad week for Satan on TV. It really was. You know, it's it's like Satan can't catch a break. Sympathy for yeah. the devil. That's that's uh, yeah. that's the name of this uh, week's podcast because Lucifer and The Exorcist were both canceled by Fox. Yeah, I was uh, super disappointed about that in terms of Exorcist. I I, I really enjoyed that show. Ugh. I was gonna say I was going the other way. Like I really liked Lucifer. <laughs> well, people really liked Lucifer, and you know the showrunner actually posted on Twitter. He's like. So um, we were actually pretty confident we were getting renewed. So the show ends on a hell of a cliffhanger. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> I've never seen either of the shows, though. So. Well, but, I, uh, I see that Warner is shopping around Lucifer trying to find another network for yeah, it. I hear Exorcist is trying to. But Exorcist was apparently one of the lowest rated dramas on television. And, uh, well, and that doesn't surprise me. It is, it is very much niche programming, right? Yeah. It would do well on, I think, Netflix or something like that. But I don't know that anyone's going to pick it up at this point. Well, yeah. E- even though we're only talking about those two, Fox did bring up Major Hatchet from what I've read. There's a yeah. lot of other shows that went down. Well, well they, they, they canceled Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But, of course, you know, uh, uh, fans flipped out and NBC picked it up. Yeah, which, I, you know, it's funny. Like, here's the thing. And I appreciate that fan that there are fans of the show. But if, it, if the fans really supported the show, the shit wouldn't have gotten canceled in the first place. So I'm kind of surprised that, like, my my Twitter was all abuzz with people who watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Because I'm like, I don't know anyone who watches that show. <laughs> like, everyone got all upset. And I'm like, well, so, I didn't so realize Paul, that show was still on. Paul, you and I both really enjoy the uh, uh, Fox show Lethal Weapon based on the Lethal Weapon franchise. Though I will say, admittedly, I um, is it still on? It's on season two, right? I never I never made it right. to see. I never watched any of season two. Well, season two is fantastic. Season two is ever bit as good, if not better than season one. But I don't know if you've caught any of the scandal around the show that the actor who plays uh, Martin Riggs yeah. is apparently uh, quite abusive to his uh, uh, female subordinates on the show. Yeah, apparently and, he's a real douchebag. Yeah, apparently just like, I mean, despite the fact that he is super charming on, on screen, he is apparently a major dick in real life. And they're recasting him. Yeah. Well, I don't I know mean, that they're that, recasting him. I think they are replacing him. Right. Like yeah, a different character entirely. Yeah, the actor is leaving the show and they are bringing in a different crazy person. And they're talking about a woman crazy person yeah. uh, to play that role. Leaving in air quotes. Um, yeah, he, he was fired, hardcore fired. And, you know, it, it's it's sad because there was a show that was going to be um, coming a, a, um, a spinoff of the Bad of Boys least. movie. No, no, a spinoff oh. of Bad Boys, the, the movie series. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was going to focus on Gabriel Union's character from Bad Boys 2. And I, I know I'm like speaking Greek to you guys, but I freaking love Bad Boys. Um, and like, it was going to star her and Jessica Alba. And it was going to be like, apparently very Michael Bayish TV show. Um, and it didn't get picked up to series, but, uh, which is a shame. And sci-fi put the ax on a bunch of shit too. The expanse. The expanse. I, would, I haven't watched anything from this season Wait, yet. What? Wow. Yeah. The expanse got the ax yesterday. What? They're definitely yeah, shopping that one around though. Yeah, I, uh, that would not surprise me to go to Netflix or Prime. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, I still have at least television. I still have at least a season of it that I haven't watched yet on it because I was waiting as I went through the books. But I'm, I think I'm only one book from the 
being completely caught up now. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know that. Well, I I only watched a couple episodes and realized it wasn't it wasn't my kind of show. There's so much love for that show everywhere I listen. Yeah, I would not it's be a surprised. Really to see good Prime show. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I was just saying it's a really good show, and and I agree with you, Paul. I, I think I think Prime or Netflix will pick that up because it is prestige television. Yeah, yeah. I think what may hurt it is the the pacing may be a bit slow for people. Yeah, you know, but most te- most. Uh, shows nowadays kind of are that slow burn pace you know that's that deliberate pace to to meet you know your eight to 13 episode storyline yeah because i've i've asked myself would i like the show nearly as much if i hadn't done the books yeah because i like the book characters a whole lot more than i like oh yeah tv ones the 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 characters in the novels are much better drawn than the tv show tv show is good the books are great um, Paul, what else got canceled on Sci-Fi? That was the only one that I caught. Well, the biggest, the, the saddest news for me, I, Sci-Fi actually canceled a couple things. Face-Off has been canceled, a um, couple of other things. Uh, but the one that hurt me was a show that wasn't even, that didn't even make it to air. Um, apparently they filmed a pilot for a new Tremors TV series. And I know, yeah. I hear you guys, Tremors, uh, but the original is still a cult classic. And apparently the direct-to-DVD movies are doing well. Um, but the the big news with this one was that Kevin Bacon was actually coming back to do the TV series. And they filmed a pilot. They had the trailer. The trailer actually looks really, really good. Um, and uh, I'm surprised that and Sci-Fi passed on it, which is kind of surprising to me because, one, it's a Universal company um, and Tremors is owned by Universal. So I'm kind of surprised they didn't just like they invested money in something that they themselves didn't pick up. Um, but also because Kevin Bacon, like, I mean, that guy, yeah. he, he brings in an audience. And sci-fi has no impulse control. Yeah. I mean, true. What yeah. Is, I mean, sci-fi, I don't know. I don't know what they're, there's a, it's interesting what these stations are, like, so many our shows are getting the axe. And it's interesting, like, what what do you have to replace it? In the case of Fox, I think it's sports. I know they picked up, they, they uh, renewed Last Man Standing after ABC canceled it. Um, that Tim Allen show, uh, but and I think Sci-Fi is actually picking up wrestling, if I'm remembering correctly. But uh, it's just kind of interesting, like all these weird things that are happening, these weird decisions. Well, I listened to a report uh, last night on the news that uh, ad dollars are so down that the networks are looking to, you know, number one, cut costs wherever they can. So if your show leans to a higher price tag. Even though your ratings may be, you know, mid-range, uh, they still might look at cutting you because, you know, the, the expense to produce your show isn't bringing in enough ad re- revenue, and that they are eliminating some of the commercial time to sell uh, fewer commercials, maybe longer commercials, but fewer commercials in that span, so that because you have a a, a less availability of the product that it will increase the value of the ad buy. And I was like, uh-huh, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> no, it's not. Ads just aren't going to work long-term. People, yeah. I don't know how many people actually watch TV as it's on. Well, and that's I mean, the problem is that they were saying is that because people either time shift, you know, like through a DVR, or they're just streaming, you know, like Hulu, Netflix, Prime, uh, there's people just haven't got any patience for commercials anymore. Yeah, I don't watch live TV. So I still have cable, but I have a DVR and I record everything. I have no idea when it's on because I don't do appointment TV and I fast forward past all the commercials. Yeah, I yeah. I would say the closest thing that, that I get to appointment TV anymore is, OK, Homeland's recording at eight. That means I can I can uh, you know watch it anytime after eight o'clock. But it doesn't mean that I'm sitting in front of my television at eight o'clock. Yeah, right. I think the the appointment TV is really reserved for shows like Game of Thrones and Walking Dead. And Walking Dead has commercials, but Game of Thrones doesn't. So, right. Yeah. Well, and we, another thing we didn't mention was that Inhumans, after one season, got the axe, surprising no one. Yeah, no. That was a, yeah, that, that was a horrible was show. So much crap. Yeah. Verdict the, is still out on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., though. The only thing worthwhile on uh, out of Inhumans was Lockjaw. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I never saw it, so. I'm, I'm, Maybe I'm, he'll get a spinoff. Yeah, I did watch the show, and it was horrible. 
And there were all of the characters. There wasn't a single likable character on the show. Maybe we can count on a primetime live action, you know, Lockjaw and the Pet Avengers. Well, well, Wayne, you, you, you might be able to put a mustache on a dog, but you can't put lipstick on that pig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, Inhumans the comics have sucked <laughs> for about the last 10 years, too. So at least they're consistent. Yeah. yeah. But that the Jay Lee run in uh, Marvel Knights was fantastic. Yeah. And Hickman writes yeah. them well, but, you know, yes, not not in their own book, just in other stuff. Yeah. Well, in more positive news, um, this week, uh, advanced screenings and uh, premieres for both Deadpool 2 and Solo occurred. Um, and though, you know, most of the regular reviews are embargoed, social media embargo has been lifted so people can talk about it on social media. Um, just no full, like, written reviews or anything like that. And in both cases, people are loving the films, um, which I, you know... I'm glad to hear because both of them kind of had like weird productions, yeah. uh, especially Solo. But people are saying Solo is fantastic, which I'm I'm I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I I am so excited for Solo. I, I don't know why I am so so geared up for it, but man, I am I am ready to watch that movie. You are Solo excited. I am. I you am. know. I really didn't. I really wasn't even going to watch that movie, and I saw the trailer, and I'm like. There's enough going on here that this this could be this could be pretty good. Yeah, yeah I'm wild. I'm with him. I this was a movie I had to be sold on, and they've done a good job. The first trailer didn't do it for me, but the last couple trailers have got me excited for it. And seeing what the Millennium Falcon looks like, yeah, that has me excited too. Uh, you know, did did anybody see the uh, Deadpool music video with Celine Dion? Yes, <laughs> I did no. not. Yeah, oh Dead, yeah, she did a song for us, um, Deadpool too. But to counter to counteract the new Teen Titans Go movie has a song from Michael Bolton. Oh dear! <laughs> oh dear! Which, I don't know. Did you guys watch the trailer for the new Teen Titans Go movie? No, I no. think the show no, is pretty terrible. But the movie actually looks pretty damn good. It looks like Lego Batman levels of funny. So I actually I liked Teen Titans before it became Teen Titans Go. It I always disliked the artwork, but the show had something to it. And while it was a little more towards the kids and it was never anywhere near as good as Young Justice, it there was definitely something there. When they brought it back as Teen Titans Go, it's just garbage. Well, I recommend checking out the trailer for Teen Titans Go, uh, the movie or whatever the hell it is. Um, I think it looks pretty damn good. I'm actually probably going to see it. And, you know, this is someone who really doesn't care for the TV show, but that trailer was was damn funny. Like, I actually laughed watching the trailer. We, and the, we know uh, I'm dead inside, so. I, I can't believe I forgot to, to check, but the trailer for the new Superman animated film was supposed to come out yesterday. It did. And um, we will talk about we can talk about it in our next podcast, but I was rather disappointed in it. I, it, really? looks, it looks exactly like. Like you would expect, but it's kind of set in that new 52 uh, uh, universe with the new 52 designs. So right. even though it looks relatively um, comic accurate story wise, uh, the designs are just, you know, they're not my favorite designs. Right. Um, did you see that you can already pick up uh, Black Panther on HD streaming? I did. I think it comes out on Blu-ray I this Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. It is still at the theater. Yeah. And wow. still in the top 10. Yeah. It is still at the theater. And it's playing right next to Infinity War. And I saw a news article this morning that uh, they're teasing a Dora Milaje uh, uh, spinoff movie. Yeah. I think th that would be interesting. I'd, I'd watch that movie. Well, it's Marvel, so we're going to watch it regardless. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, the I, I like the characters in the uh, in the comic, and I liked them on on the screen. So yeah, I'd, I'd be down for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, this week, talking about comics, um, they they announced that the Legion of Doom is returning to comics in Scott Snyder's upcoming Justice League book. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited about it. They showed some Jim Chung preview art from Justice League number one. Shows the Legion of Doom with Lex Luthor and Sinestro and Joker and Gorilla Grodd. And, you know, I, I love that concept. Um, but that all will start after Justice League No Justice. 
Uh, the first issue came out this week. I think it's a weekly series for the next four weeks before and leading up into Justice League number one. And Aaron, despite his protests, picked up Justice League No Justice number one, written by Scott Snyder, Joshua Williamson, James Tinian IV, art by Francis Manipal. Aaron? Well, first let me just explain why I picked up the book uh, when I said that I was not going to pick up the book. Uh, there was preview art of the lanterns in front of the uh, source wall mm-hmm. with the breach in it, and that just looked too cool. It's a pretty damn uh, awesome two-page spread. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it just looked too cool. And I'm always I'm always a sucker for the source wall. Uh, ever since uh, uh, Walt Simonson drew it for uh, Teen Titans versus X Men, um, I just I, I, I've just been a sucker for that. So that's what lured me in. But I will say, I hated the story in DC Nation. You know, the, the little teaser story we saw? Yeah. Um, I liked this rather a lot. I did too. I was oh, yeah. really surprised at how much I liked this book. I thought it made sense. Whereas I didn't think anything in the DC Nation thing made sense. I thought this made sense. That, that Wow. And, and I, I, liked, I liked the take on Brainiac. I liked how everyone's like everyone is sort of viewing superheroes as a commodity. You know, they are a resource to be exploited. Mm -hmm. And I I, I mean, I I thought that it was one of those times where I felt like Amanda Waller was doing the appropriate thing. Yeah. It you know, feels like a crossover book to me. It feel but like a well written crossover book. And and yeah. no offense and well I, I I have a love hate relationship with Scott Snyder because I really hated the end of metal. But yeah. I think the writing team helped make this not so wordy and yeah. fun. Um and I, I, I thought it was great. I really oh, enjoyed yeah. it. There was there was some great character moments. You're absolutely right. It feels like a crossover without the fact that it crosses over into multiple books. Yeah. yeah. Um Really good character scenes. Robin ta- talking smack to Doctor Fate. Um, Martian Manhunter Lex Luthor having an, a, a pretty civil conversation for the most part. It was very interesting. Um, and I, you're right, Brainiac. I've never, I've never liked Brainiac. This was, this was really well written. This was, it was all about him show, showing that your, 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 your team, your team that you have is mathematically inadequate. And let me show you why. This is such a good book. Like I didn't expect. A, I didn't expect a lot because of the weird concept, but I I really enjoyed it. Yeah. No. I thought I thought this was a lot of fun. Well, and after was it last week or the week before the action comics where I really didn't care for the way Lex Luthor was written. It was mm-hmm. nice to see him written the way that I that I've gotten used to his character. Yeah. See, so our review of this is very interesting because. The whole reason I had no intention of buying it was that DC Nation thing. Right. Because that was horrible. Right. Oh, and I got to say, I know, Aaron, you're not a fan of his art typically, but Francis Manupal knocked it out of the park on this book. For no, me. I I thought I thought the uh, Francis Manupal art in this book was terrific. I had no complaints about the art. In fact, I liked it rather a lot. There was a, there was a uh, – a lot of times – Francis Manupal's art lends itself to a very atmospheric, ethereal sort of look to it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that there was a, a really strong sense of grandeur uh, in his art. You know, that, that you had these like power shots of, you know, inside Brainiac's ship, inside, uh, uh, you know, Amanda Waller's base where she's got all the psychics together. I mean, the, the, the blocking and the the choreography on the panel just really lent itself to you know you felt like you're in a Michael Bay movie right it <laughs> yeah. felt like it felt like you know god damn these the, the stakes are huge the characters are huge it's just everything turned up to 11 and i thought it worked really well man and it was and i'm not going to ruin it but what a great what a great cliffhanger ending for the first Yo, book <laughs> yeah no and that is a a that that last page is fantastic oh so good yeah. it's very good so this apparently is the the early steps into the next big event uh, at DC, you know, you had your your crisis on the infinite earths, you had your infinite crisis, you had your final crisis, and apparently the 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 big book that's coming, the big uh, story arc that's coming is Crisis. Yeah, and I don't think we've heard 
heard anything else on that, Paul, do you have any other information for us? No, um, I think they're just, uh, and honestly, I think we're not going to see that until 2019 at the earliest. I don't think it's setting up for anything this year. Um, Scott Snyder says he has a two year arc planned. Um, so I, would imagine this, that that'll kind of be the conclusion of the two year arc. We haven't even finished our current event yet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, Doomsday I think clock is still going. I think part of that is that they weren't anticipating the delays on Doomsday Clock, and you know, it just and it's the the crisis thing is just bleeding cool rumors. So it really could be, you know, a ways off. But I'm sure they're planning something. They're always planning something. But and with the continuity kind of a little fluky, you can tell they're setting something up. Especially when we talk about um, the book we're going to talk about here in a couple minutes with Detective Comics. But before we get into that wanted to talk about the conclusion of Batman White Knight. Issue 8 came out this week, um, written by Sean, written and drawn by Sean Gordon Murphy. Uh, we rather enjoyed the first half of this series. Um, I think a number of us didn't necessarily care for the previous issue, issue 7. Uh, so uh, let's go ahead and let Wayne start this one. Wayne, what did you think? Did, you, did they stick the landing for you? Based on a comment you made earlier, I have a feeling we're going to disagree about this. But for me, yeah, I think he stuck the landing. I was very happy with how this series wrapped up. Oh, okay. Well, you know, we were, <laughs> we, 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 we definitely uh, don't agree on this one because uh, yep. I, fuck this ending. I'm sorry. I, 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 was, I was rather upset reading this book because I'm like, oh, so we spent like... I, I I really thought that this book was going to actually give me something different. Instead, they just brought me back to status quo, and uh, I was really disappointed in that. That that's the way it ended. See, what I had been disappointed with last issue does continue. Batman was still you. He had a lot of things planned, but what I really enjoyed about this was that Harley was the one that was pulling a lot of strings. I got a kick out of that. I that she was trying to position things and that uh, Joker or I guess Jack, you know, realized it and knew it, but didn't tell her. Here's my problem with that. And don't get me wrong, Wayne. I enjoyed this book. Um, but I think this, the, the, the fundamental flaw in issue eight is that you don't find out about Harley pulling all those strings by seeing it. You find out about it because Batman tells you and Batman tells you because Joker told him a a scene that we don't see in the book. And that just drove me crazy that it was instead of me showing you this cool thing, I'm just going to tell you about the cool thing. I wish it would have done flashbacks while he was telling it. Uh huh. So we at least see some of it. We we should have seen that. And here's the thing is. The artwork is gorgeous in this book. I agree. The artwork is, the, is fantastic. The character acting is terrific. The, I, I mean, one of the things I've loved so much about this book is seeing all the Batmobiles and all the Bat tech because, you know, they are just rendered so masterfully. Um, but the fact that, you know, they, they made the fatal error of telling me about something rather than showing me something in a visual medium just irritates the living tar out of me. And an editor should have caught that. Yeah, I don't I don't mind at all that we didn't see it in the story throughout the story, but I would have liked to have seen it in flashbacks. I definitely agree with your your criticism with that. Instead of just being a back and forth dialogue conversation, I wish they would have shown the flashbacks of her make pulling those strings so tim to your earlier comment i think it's worth the, reading it in trade i think it'll be actually a, a really strong reading in trade i'm just a little bit frustrated in how some of the uh twists are revealed see for for me i just feel like they spent a number they spent the first half of the series maybe even the first five issues really kind of breaking the status quo and doing new and innovative things that I hadn't really seen before with, with the Batman characters and in a rogues gallery. And I really enjoyed that. But these last couple of issues have been for me rather standard in let's get back to status quo. Well, I disagree with your, your interpretation, Paul. I don't think that that, that it is status quo because, you know, Batman 
has tells us at the end of the book that he's going to announce to the world that he's Bruce Wayne, right? That that's how he's going to keep Batman honest. He has given his tech over to uh, the GTO. He has uh, Alfred's dead. There, you know, there's a huge revelation uh, about you know his his relationship with Alfred and you know Dick and Barbara, and. I think that, yeah, you know, Batman's back to being acceptable, even though he still has to earn back the trust of Gotham. But it the the what the big change is the emotional centeredness of Bruce Wayne as Batman in this world. Right. Because you know, this isn't this isn't the new 52. This isn't the standard DC universe. This is a, a an alternate an alternate universe story. But, you know, it is Batman's at a different place. He's not he you know the the pendulum swung way off in one direction earlier in the book and it didn't it didn't swing back to center it's still a little off it's not a drastic switch but it's a switch nonetheless yeah this ending got me really excited for the sequel yeah. i don't know if the sequel will be about joker even it may be about the new status quo for batman but what they've set up in here is something I want to see what comes next. Yeah. I don't so, know. Paul, I'm, I think what Wayne and I are saying is that you're wrong. Well, fine. Is that... <laughs> I, I I just, for me, like, I, I, I will probably pick up the first chapter of, of part two, uh, but we'll, for me, it's, we'll, we'll see how, uh, how it starts. Well, I'm glad you guys liked it, but... Me too. I'm glad I liked it too. Well, <laughs> Wayne, Tim, did you guys like Detective Comics number 980? There's a little too much Stephanie Brown in Detective Comics 980 for my <laughs> for my personal taste. However, I knew that we needed to talk about this book because this book was a love letter to Wayne. <laughs> yes, it was. And I loved about half of the book. Right. I really hate the Omax. I do. I've ever since the uh the Omax stuff in way before Flashpoint. They're overdone. I'm tired of them. I don't want to ever see Omax again. I'm sick of them. But we Is got it- to see we got Go to see Stephanie in her Batgirl costume. Yeah. Uh, more, impo- more importantly, we got to see Cassandra Kane in, in her co- her old costume, which is amazing. I was going to mention that, but you deserve to be the one to mention that. <laughs> oh, loved it. Yeah, we get a, you know, so Tim Drake has uh, has basically been possessed by the OMAC, and he, he gives the um, Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Kane uh, a view of the alternate timeline, the pre-Flashpoint timeline, where they became Batgirl. And so they kind of see what their, uh, you know, the, the differences in, in their lives now versus what they could have been. And I, I enjoyed that aspect of the book. I agree with Wayne. I'm really not a, a fan of OMAC um, as a concept. Um, it has, it feels like it's overdone for me, but maybe, I don't know, maybe I just don't like the concept. And the fact that we're still dealing with future Tim Drake, I, I just feel like I've been dealing with future Tim Drake for about a year now. Uh, it feels like every storyline touches on it. And maybe that's the point, right? Maybe I'm just reading the same storyline, but I'm just like, I'm ready for this future Tim storyline to wrap up. And this is the concluding arc of um, James Tinian's run on the book, uh, which is, it's a shame because as much as I've loved his run, I haven't loved this story. I know I sound like a negative. Yeah, I'm with you. I love that, stories. that book and this book. You are a negative, no, I, Paul. <laughs> I agree with you, Paul. I mean, I am... St- I'm ready for this to be over. I really enjoyed the last storyline, which is where I kind of jumped on because I haven't been reading Detective all this time. But I love the building up of Tim, but I'm tired of future Tim. And I I hate to say that because Tim is one of my favorite characters, but I'm tired of of the future Tim and I'm tired of OMAC and I'm ready to move on to something else. I said I loved half of this book. I loved Every page that Stephanie was on. Of course you did. And I disliked every page that an OMAC was on. <laughs> Tim, you're one of my favorite characters as well. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I actually – is it wrong to sort of cheer for, for future Tim? No. Jake? Okay. Because – I feel like I feel like James Tinian's done a good job explaining why he is the way he is, and maybe that's because he's had a year, Paul. That's 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 probably fair. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like this is one of those situations where the movie's gone on about fifteen minutes longer than it should have. I I yeah. I loved I loved his writing on everything. This is this is pretty well written, and it's beautifully drawn. 
But I feel like I feel like we needed to we needed to get to the conclusion faster. I, I and uh I and I I disagree. I actually like the page where he he find he showed uh he he showed uh Batwoman why why he, she's a problem. <laughs> like this is what happens if I don't deal with you now. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love that page too. Yeah. Well, we only have two more issues of this storyline, but for me the 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 James I I've I've generally enjoyed the James Tynion run on Detective Comics, you know, since DC Rebirth. Uh, for me, I think the high point of his run was the storyline with Zatanna. And bright side of things, the artist from that run, who I who I loved, Alvaro Martinez, will be joining James Tynion IV, and Zatanna will be on the new Justice League. Um, I think it's called, like, Justice League Beyond, or, I don't know, some, some, some type of Justice League in Outer Space or Justice League book that James Tynion is... Uh, going to be writing. So I'm looking forward Paul, to that. Paul, Paul, is it Justice League in space? Space. That space, would be. space. Maybe. If it's a crossover with Muppets in space, I'm in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'd be in too. So, Paul, you know, uh, James Tinian IV is also one of the storytellers on uh, DC's new series rolling out from the pages of Dark Knight's Metal, uh, The Immortal Men. And James Tinian IV writes writes that book with Ryan Benjamin. On art. Well, uh, and uh, so the let, let's clarify, because the first issue, this book was announced as the Jim Lee, James Tinian IV, you know, team up <laughs> on Immortal Men. Jim Lee drew the first issue before handing off to Ryan Benjamin for the second issue. And Ryan Benjamin is, is Jim Lee light. Um, yeah, very, very, very similar art styles. Yeah. Uh, I, I gotta tell you, Paul, I, I, I read the, the, uh, two issues that are out last night and I'm done. This, this book, uh, sucks pretty hard. Pretty, you know, I, pretty hard. Here's, here's the sad thing. I actually think the story has redeeming qualities. Uh huh. Um, I think the art really n- not only doesn't serve the story, but distracts from it. I I don't care. There's only one character design in this book that I like, and that's Ghost Fist. Ghost Fist is awesome. Yeah, I love Ghost Fist. And I'm like, I'd, I'd buy that book written by somebody else, but I'd buy that book. But the rest of the characters, um, the, the whole – the way the story is laid out and in a lot of the ways in, in the character designs, it reminds me so much of that recent POS uh, Wildstorm book. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it just and it feels like a 90s image book. And I'm sure that's got a lot to do with the fact that Jim Lee's involved in this book. Um, I I got to tell you, I hated this thing with everything I had. And I knew I hated it from the jump. Uh, you know, when I was reading issue one, I was like, oh, oh, I wish I'd read this before I bought issue two. Because, <laughs> wow. But I was like, you know, some, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you get a rocky start and it'll pick up towards the latter half of the book or even in the next issue. And I got to tell you, I hated both issues. Yeah. It, 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 it sapped my will to live, Paul. <laughs> it's, it is, they, they are just, again, for me, I thought the writing was fine. I just really couldn't stand the art to the, to the, to the point that the art took away my yeah. enjoyment of, of any aspect of the writing. Um, it just, it just felt poorly executed and it's a shame because I think the concept could be interesting, but yeah, I'm out as well. Yeah. Uh, that's and, a- I, 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 and I also feel like this book probably won't last very long. No, it can't. I mean, it is just, I mean, it is just bad. It's not, Hey, that's not to my taste. It's just poorly done. Yeah. And it's sad because you've got a ton of talent on the book, but it just is just has not come together. Um, and so I, I think when you go back and you assess all of these books that rolled out of uh, Dark Knight's Metal, you know, that new round of, uh, of DC books, there's only one in there that's worth a damn. And that's the Terrifics. And that, you know, and I got to say, the Terrifics is good. It's not great. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's it, it is worth something. It is worth your read. It's worth your time. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll just get better. But damn, I mean, so much wasted potential in this new run of books. And, you know, I think they're going to wind up canceling all of them except the Terrifics. Yeah. Agreed. So, well, let's move on. Well, 
you mentioned the Terrifics, which is the yeah. you know DC's basically their take on the Fantastic Four, and we had talked recently about how the Fantastic Four is returning to Marvel. Well, to celebrate that t- return, uh, you know, in the new Dan Slott, Sarah Pacelli uh, Fantastic Four book, Marvel is offering a, a ton of variant covers. Um, I think it, there have been 20 uh, covers, uh, 20 variant covers announced, not specifically for Fantastic Four number one, just, you know, uh, Marvel chooses a theme every month and does a variant cover across their line. And the theme in August is Fantastic Four. And even though I read my comics digitally, these Fantastic Four covers are amazing. Uh, so they, what they do is they 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 chose different artists, and each artist represents a different era of the Fantastic Four. And so you have like Steve Epting, who's doing uh, th- the FF version of the Fantastic Four, where they were all wearing white, and Peter Parker was on the team. You have J. Scott Campbell representing the '90s. A Fantastic Four, where the Thing wore uh, a helmet and Sue had the boob window. Um, and my favorite, you have Art Adams doing a cover featuring the new Fantastic Four, where it was Wolverine, Grey Hulk, Ghost Rider, and Spider-Man. Uh, these covers are just so much fun, and I hope they collect them, um, you know, in like a one digital book at some point. Right. So looking at these covers, a couple things jump out at me. One of them is uh, the Thor one has the the version that had She-Hulk on it. And why not put that on a Hulk book instead? The other is the Sentry number three. The Sentry's coming back. Yeah, the Sentry's coming back. I am not happy about that at all. Oh, don't don't worry. No one's going to buy it. So... (laughs) Yeah, so the one the one thing that can kill the century sales. Yeah, because <laughs> didn't the century die in siege like a while back? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Siege which was a good storyline. Which was a good death. Yeah, yeah. no, siege was a was a was probably my favorite Marvel crossover in the last ten years. Yeah, it was a good Pretty crossover, good. a good fight, and it was a worthy death for a character I don't like. Right. So let's bring him back. Yeah. <laughs> it's what we do. It's it's yeah. Everything old is new again. Yep. Well, you know, since we're talking about things I don't like, and I'm a negative Nelly today anyway. Yeah, what's up with that? Well, book? I like Justice League No Justice. I mean, I really liked that book. Did somebody pee in your cornflakes this morning, Paul? Not yet. Wow, we are definitely going to have another different wait till, year. Wait till next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, Wayne and I read the free comic book day Amazing Spider-Man preview. And, um, you know, it, it is... Uh, it, it is available digitally if you could not get to your comic shop last week, and it features a preview of the upcoming Nick Spencer, Ryan Artley, uh, Artley, Ryan Otley um, <laughs> run on the book. And Wayne, I, let me clarify. It's not that I disliked what I read. I, what I disliked about it is that Marvel seems averse to moving Amazing Spider-Man forward in time. Um, and and that that you know, given how successful DC has been with their Superman, you know, like Daddy Superman and Batman characters, like actually aging and you know progressing forward as characters. The fact that we're back to loser broke Peter Parker looking for a roommate and trying to find a cheap apartment. I'm just like, come on! Like the character has been around for sixty years. Like we can move forward with them now. 70 years, 50 years, some number of years. Math is hard. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. 62, right? 62? Yes. Okay. So, Wayne, you clearly loved this book. Yes, I did. What I loved about it is I feel like Spider-Man's back. I, I'm going to focus on the Spider-Man <laughs> That's part That's what first. I was just complaining about. <laughs> so I'm going to focus on the Spider-Man part first, and then we'll get to the uh, the Peter Parker stuff. I have had some real issues with Dan Slott's Spider-Man. I think he's been really out of character. I don't think Dan Slott knows how to write Peter Parker. I don't I've enjoyed some of Slott's early work, but I think Slott's best work was writing uh Superior Spider-Man. He gets Doc Ock. I don't think he gets Spider-Man. When I write when I read this, when I see Spider-Man in the fight, Spider-Man kicks ass, doesn't need the Avengers, you know, doesn't have to call out to the Avengers or somebody else. He's taking on the group himself. 
he's making the making jokes again. The quips are good and funny and sound more like I would expect from Spider-Man. He's heroic, willing to put himself on the line and, uh, you know, it's basically would have been willing to die to keep people in the building from dying. That all hit all the chords for me. Uh, it really felt like Spider-Man. Well, I appreciate that you liked it, Wayne, but, uh, you know, I, I'm going to give the first issue a shot and, uh, you know, hopefully it, it, hopefully it's kind of like, uh, the, in, um, no justice preview was for the rest of you guys that, you know, the, the first full issue was a lot better. So I'll give it a shot. Uh, so that, that's uh, amazing. Spider-Man number one, Nick Spencer, Ryan Otley, uh, comes out, uh, sometime soon. It doesn't have a, an actual, oh, July. And I picked up Venom number one this week. Why would you do that? Why, Paul? Why? Well, you know, so Donnie Cates, who is writing the current Thanos arc that you and I like, uh, it, it took over writing Venom. And they restarted with number one. Um, Ryan Stegman is on art. And I had seen some preview pages that I thought were beautiful. And so I was like, you know what? I'll go ahead and give it a shot. And even though I am a negative Nelly today, I gotta say, I really, really dug Venom number one. Um, it's dark, it's creepy, the art fits perfectly. Um, it is, it, it's, it, now it is another one of those, like, everything you know about Venom is a lie type storylines, you know, where the they, they reveal that the symbiotes have been around for a while, the army has used them, and they have like a, a symbiote SWAT team. There's, uh, you know, the reveal that there was a symbiote in the medieval times. Uh, and so, you know, th there's a little bit of that stuff. But overall, I really, really dug this book. And I thought the art by Ryan Stegman was perfect for it. Uh, and I'm actually going to pick up issue two. I really liked it. I liked it. You know, I was I'm like, this sounds dumb. But when you say symbiotic medieval times, I'm like, that's a comic I might pick up. Yeah, it starts <laughs> off with that. So you know, Tim, that's a uh, that's kind of a selling point for me too. This week, a uh, medieval spawn came out, and I bought it because oh, it's medieval times, and it was horrible. Yeah, don't pick that one this, up. Let me get this right: uh, Venom and Spawn are waiters at medieval times. Yes, but and they but, won't bring you cutlery because in the medieval <laughs> times there was no cutlery. Correct. Huh. Yeah, it's a, it's a great moment in the book. It's it's like a not, crossover. Not, not the restaurant, Aaron. Not the oh. restaurant. Oh, okay. Well, you can understand my confusion. I can't. I can't. Well, and I do love medieval times, so I, I'm, oh, I'm hopeful for a future issue where that scene actually does occur. Where they explode the actual medieval times restaurant. That would be a great callback. <laughs> that would be, that'd be pretty funny. Uh, I... God damn it, Paul! It's actually it's 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 actually really good. I I can't lie. I I genuinely enjoyed the book enough to pick up the second oh, issue. Well, loan me your tablet for ten minutes on uh, next Friday. There you we'll go. See. I'll bring it to ManCon with me. <laughs> so you guys picked up something out of the ordinary, something not from Marvel, not from DC. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I did this. Yeah. I, <laughs> why, Tim? Why? I, you know, it was a, it was a slow week a couple weeks ago for me, and I'm like, you know, I'm on a comic podcast. Maybe I should read more than a comic, right? Yeah. So I <laughs> I, uh, I picked up Betrothed Number One from Aftershock Comics, which is first time I've ever heard of them. Um, and I just mentioned it in passing, and apparently w Wayne had had picked it up as well. So uh, yeah. I I read issue two this week. Um and. So a couple of things I, c I can talk to. Uh, we should name the people involved, Sean Lewis and Steven U UV. I'm going to say UV because it's cooler. Um, it's uh, So the first thing I'd tell you is if you like Avatar The Last Airbender kind of art style, that kind of, I, I don't want to call it anime, but it's kind of it, that kind of anime look. That's the art you're getting here. And normally that isn't my cup of tea, um, per se, but I, I think I think uh, it didn't it didn't detract from from w what was happening on the pages. Yeah, I like the art because it's kind of crisp, at least when they're on Earth. Yeah, it gets a little wonky when they're not on Earth. Um, so the storyline here is 
God, it's hard. It's hard to explain. It's sort of a it, it's sort of a Romeo and Juliet thing if they didn't know that they were supposed to be meant for each other, and they're also the heads of their nations and they're supposed to try to kill each other. One of those two things has to happen. Basically, the yeah. prophecy says either you're gonna murder one of you's gonna murder the other one, or you're gonna fall in love. And the first the first issue is basically the girl whose name is Tamara. Uh, punching out uh, Kiernan, which is which is the which is the the prince guy. Yeah, I love that as a first interaction because they describe her as she's always been pacifist. She's always been like quiet and well behaved and has never acted out. And the first thing she does, and she doesn't even know why she does it, is just punch him yeah, and she even could, knock a tooth out. Yeah, rage monsters on him. Um. I, so there's things I like about the book. I do like the art style. I, uh, I I do like the concept. I think the characters are a little are a little shallow. Um, I feel like we we've jumped full into the the world bending story. Yeah, without, without was... having a you know an issue to breathe basically. I thought that was a little quick to get so far down. I thought there was going to be more mystery for the characters for a little bit longer. And you know what? I get why they don't do that because this isn't a, this isn't a Marvel DC book. You don't usually get a six issue arc, even worst case scenario. So I see why you might want to hit the accelerator button on you know the bigger plots of your story. But when you do that. You don't. You give us less reason to care about the characters involved. I don't. I didn't see Tamara as nice and 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 a good person. I saw her being rage monster. Yeah, you only find out she was like that by being told. Right in a in a like a blurb expo, ex, uh, exposition. I don't know these two friends other than oh, each of them has a friend. You know, it's like I don't know. I felt like I felt like they could have decompressed it a little bit. But I also understand that they've they've got a they've got a balance to meet because they want to hook you in on the main story. So for me, this is kind of a mixed bag book. I I, I feel like maybe it's going to read better in trade if it ever got to trade. And I don't feel like it's you know it's one of those ones where that's there's nowhere near given on something like that. So um, I don't know, Wayne. How do how do you feel overall? Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I. I'm enjoying the story quite a bit and I'm enjoying the book, but there are some times where you're just being told things and it definitely, it feels like it should have been stretched out more in certain areas. Like they rushed to get to things that they didn't, that they wouldn't need to if they were a book that was going to definitely get the full run. I, I'm on board for the run though. Cause I said, I am enjoying the story. I like the two main characters I would like to get more into the characters because, like you were saying, they're a bit – they're still a bit shallow. We're getting more of them as it goes along, but we don't know really anything about what they were like before all of this started to happen to them. We're just getting character moments by their reacting to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of a mixed bag for me. Uh, sounds sounds. sounds yeah, you you said you you enjoyed it and you're on board. I think it's only going to be six issues. If if I, if, I wonder if I read that somewhere. If I'm just guessing. I thought it was going to be a mini series, but it's possible it's not. Um, I guess if you're a fan of Avatar: The Last Airbender kind of stories, uh, and art, this would be something worth worth checking out. Yeah. So this, again, this very much feels like an anime story. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, I, I I like the cliffhanger. Uh, the cliffhanger on issue two is basically the 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 parents, so quote unquote, uh, coming to the defense of the kids when they come back on Earth. And I want to see that explanation. I want to I want to see the people who actually interacted with them for their their entire lives explain what the hell just happened for an issue and a half. Yeah, so. I I don't think we'll get a issue and a half explanation, but no, no, no. I meant like for the, for issue one and two, they're going to explain gotcha. basically what happened. Yeah, no, no. I I, I imagine we're going to get about four pages, <laughs> and that's probably generous. Yeah, I'm glad I tried it though because it's something different. Yep. So again, that was betrothed by aftershock. Well, you know what you're not getting, Tim. What? 
You're not getting a new funny books next week. Yeah. Suck it. <laughs> so as we've mentioned, we are going to be at ManCon, our annual pilgrimage of drinking and gaming. Um, and here's so hoping gonna... we don't hear that phrase, suck it then. <laughs> yeah. Oof. I, I, pretty sure that's going to happen <laughs> some game but uh, you will however get a uh, brand new episode of star trek aegean uh, and so that will that will be released while we're out purifying paul in the sacred waters of table rock lake uh once again so uh you you've got that to look forward to and then we'll be back with uh, all your funny books goodness the week after but paul yes if they wanted to reach out to us you know what they could do they could give us a call they call us at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll want a coveted, valuable, ideology of madness surprise. Yes. You know, I feel I feel like this is the situation where Batman decides he's going to lead the Justice League and he gets Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. That's sort of what's happening with Aaron next week with the Aegean crew. It, it, yeah, it, that's what this yeah. was the Justice League. This is the Justice League. <laughs> if you squint. Well, and should you want to read any of the new comics next week, like Avengers issue two, Batman number 47, No Justice number two, the mighty Thor at the gates of Valhalla issue one, New Challengers number one, or Superman special number one, and you want to leave us a voicemail on that Ideology of Madness hotline, we will definitely use it in next week's show when we talk about, well, in two weeks' time when we talk about those <laughs> books ourselves. Woo-hoo. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Aaron won't be reading them next week because when they yep. come out, he'll be doing his last minute game prep. That is exactly correct. <laughs> yes, that is exactly correct. <laughs> I'll be, pressing, I'll, be, drive. <laughs> I'll be pressing people at ManCon in to generate NPCs for me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, I'm going to see you guys in just a couple of days. Ooh. And we'll talk to the rest of y'all in a week or so. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.